Welcome to episode 29 of the Ministry at Scale podcast, where we share tips and trends from industry leaders to help you multiply digital impact. Today's topics include generosity, responsive fundraising, personalization, multi-channel communication, and much more. That's right, Gabe Cooper and I cover a lot of ground in a very short time frame. I love Gabe's focus on responsive fundraising and personalization. If your website's homepage still looks the same to every visitor, you're missing out on increased results. We've created a simple seven-step process so you can personalize your website. Take our free personalization challenge and start personalizing your website today. Go to journeyt.com slash personalization dash challenge. That's journeyt.com slash personalization dash challenge. important thing there too is it's not personalization for personalization's sake giving is really really personal and so donors expect to be treated that way so there's a part where we kind of have a responsibility to be personal with our donors what we're seeing with our customers is on average across our customers donor retention goes up by 12 percent when people practice this stuff um, average gift goes up on average 10 percent when we practice this stuff so it's not just doing it just because or to be like amazon it's doing it because when you're personal people give more sacrificially they give more often they're more loyal increases impact today, it's an incredible honor to have Gabe Cooper, CEO of a leading CRM known as Virtuous. Gabe, he's been paving the way with ministries and nonprofits, helping them reimagine generosity. He's also author of the book, Responsive Fundraising, and uh, is leading a great team down in Arizona. So Gabe, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a joy to be here. Gabe, I was thinking about when we first met, and I, I think I saw you speak at a conference. I think it was the N10 conference, the nonprofit technology, 10 or 11 years ago. Uh, you, you were talking on mobile app development, and one of your clients at the time was focused on the family. I mean, and, and that was very shortly after the iPhone came out in 2007. So, so one of the things that I've appreciated about you in the years that we've known each other is your passion for technology, but also your passion for helping ministries and nonprofits really be on the leading edge of technology. Um, how, did, how did that passion for technology and mission-driven organizations, how, how did that come about? Yeah, it's a great question. I'm a product guy by trade, right? So I started as a software developer. I love technology. I think I sort of discovered that in college and, and have pursued it as a career, but um, started working in nonprofit probably 15 years ago or more now. And, and I think at that point really developed a heart for generosity. And so um, and I had a few mentors kind of come alongside me that were really passionate about increasing global generosity. And it really turned me on to uh, not just the power of, of giving to make an impact in the world, but the power of giving to change the heart of the giver, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I, if you guys look around at our, our culture, <laughs> people are a little bit selfish and a little bit polarized lately. And I'm a strong believer that when we give our time, talent, um, social capital away, 
-hmm. that it transforms us, right? It mm -hmm. transforms the heart of a giver and makes us a little less selfish and a little less inward focused. So I think mm -hmm. just what I'm doing now and, and what I've done for the last 15 years is just a, a perfect reflection of that, that I love tech and, and I love uh, what generosity does in the world. Oh, that's, 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 that's great. And I love what you said about how when we as individuals give, I mean, I mean, it, it does change our hearts. It, mm -hmm. it, it helps us be more connected with those organizations that we're giving to, and it helps to open up our eyes to see what are the other opportunities, what are the needs of, of the least of these that are, that are around us. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. I know you've got kids. I've got kids. That's one of the things that we've tried to instill in our kids is, you know, every time you get paid, whether it's mowing the lawns or whatever, we use the envelope system, putting 10, 10%, you know, actually, I think we say 20 or 30% when they don't have any other expenses into the giving envelope, 20 or 30 in the savings, and then they have a little bit to spend. And yeah. uh, we do the um, same thing, give, save, spend, baby. That's what yeah. we do with our kids. And it's great. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. As a side note, I think kids do that the same way generosity does. Like mm. I didn't think I was a selfish person until I had kids. And then all of a sudden I realized <laughs> I was a pretty selfish person. No doubt. Kids have the ability to change that. So I think generosity has that same effect as it, it takes our, our eyes off ourselves for a second, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. So, so as you focused on the generosity side, um, you know, you could have taken your software skills a lot of different directions, but you've chosen to invest them in developing a CRM, a constituent relationship management software. So how did you land on, on developing Virtuous? Yeah, it's um, a good question. I think when I was in nonprofit, we actually, I used to be my, would have been my own customer and we'd built the CRM from the ground up at, at the organization I was a part of. Hmm. Um, but what sort of pushed us to build our own was a problem that we saw sort of generally across the entire nonprofit ministry sector. And that problem was typically nonprofits with their major donors maintain mm -hmm. a pretty close relationship, right? You kind of know mm -hmm. their, their names and their kids' names and what they're passionate about, about your ministry. Mm -hmm. um, but with your, the rest of your donors, call them your everyday donors, most of the tactics were spray and pray, meaning we would send the same direct mail appeal to 10,000 people, right? Mm -hmm. We'd send the same email newsletter to 10,000 people. And, and it felt pretty impersonal. Like, you know, I've been a donor on the receiving end of those communications. And I feel like, gosh, I'm so personally attached to the mission of this organization, but what I'm getting back does not feel very personal. Like yeah. it doesn't feel like they're connecting me in a meaningful way. At the same time, in the rest of the world, we, we saw that most of our other brand experiences were hyper-personalized to us, mm -hmm. right? So like my experience with Amazon is not the same experience everybody else has with Amazon, right? Mm -hmm. I see a page that's very customized and curated to me. Amazon knows to send me a, a Christmas toy catalog because they know I have kids, <laughs> right? They, they're using data to drive very personalized experiences. And it, it was really frustrating that the nonprofit sector and ministry sector just couldn't bridge this gap. Like we couldn't get to a place where we could treat donors like people instead of kind of ATM machines. We, we couldn't quite build personal relationships at scale. And so Virtuous was really about, let's create a platform that helps ministries and nonprofits connect more personally with donors at scale. And knowing that when they do that, you see donor retention go up, you see average gift go up, 
you see donors who are just fully bought into the cause and won't shut up about how great you are. And so it, it works on a lot of levels. You, you know, Gabe, I think I'm a little jealous because uh, I've got kids too, and I have not gotten a toy catalog from Amazon yet. <laughs> so I guess we don't buy enough of our toys or our, our yeah. toys there, but uh, probably a good thing. Yeah, that, you know, that's why I think you're such a good fit for this podcast in terms of, I mean, this podcast is all about helping ministries scale their digital impact. Mm -hmm. And what you just said is, is, is about taking those, the experience that a person has with a major donor and transferring that to scale with all the way up and down that donor pyramid. And, and that, that led to you authoring a book, Responsive Fundraising. Uh, just, 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 just talk to us about that book and uh, how the framework and the playbooks that you talk in there fit in with the whole area of being generous and generosity and scaling and all those things. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that was, it was a fun book to write, but it's really just sort of the playbook for how to do what I was just talking about. And we, we call that responsive fundraising or, you know, responding to all your donors in a personal way, like they're major donors. Um, and so the book kind of lays out a, a framework and some practical steps for how to go about this. And it's kind of broken up into three sections. The first one is listen, which is you, you can't uh, have a personal relationship with somebody unless you listen to them. We know this in life and through sociology, but as nonprofits, we have to get better at listening to donors um, and understanding why they give, what makes them tick, what they're passionate about. Mm -hmm. And the second part is connect like how do we then connect with donors personally at scale it's one thing to send everybody your november matching gift appeal but it's another thing to understand where they are in their their donor journey what they care about and send them the right communication at the right time mm -hmm. and so that's that's connect and then finally we talk about suggest and so as as ministries how do we suggest the right next step at the right time knowing not everybody's a financial giver today. Everybody has different financial capacity, but also donors have a lot more to give than just money, right? They have time, talent. Um, mm -hmm. And so how do we suggest the right next step that draws people in closer to our cause? Um, and so it's it's sort of that framework with a bunch of sort of just practical advice on on where to get started. No, it's, it's really good. If you haven't, as a, for our audience, if you haven't read the book, Responsive Fundraising, you need to pick it up. It, uh, I know, I, I mean, for, for ourselves, uh, Gabe, you know, we've developed a personalization platform, Journey, and every principle that you talk about in there is the same kind of things that we apply to the website. And you're applying it not to the website as much as to the whole giver experience, starting uh, from, from the email, even, it even touches the print side of things too, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We're big believers in multi-channel that we live yeah. in a your, your donors aren't, aren't single channel people because you aren't a single channel person. You know, you're, yeah. you're getting information and learning in a bunch of different ways. And so we like that multi-channel approach, but let me, while you're here though, let me give a plug for Journey because yeah, what you guys are doing is, is amazing. And it really does speak to the heart of what we care about, which is like, how do you provide that more personal experience? You know, not everybody should see the same call to action. Not everybody cares about the same thing. And how do we begin to tailor experiences around where people are at? And so Journey really speaks to the heart of that, which is amazing. Yeah, that's where I know we have several customers that, that uh, we have common customers where they're using Journey on the front end on the website and then being able to uh, 
translate that information to the CRM on the back end to be able to make that whole that whole communication seamless and uh, um, a, a personalized experience. Is that's a, yeah, that's what that's what we're all about. Yeah, the important thing there too is it's not personalization for personalization's sake. It's right. giving is really really personal. And so donors expect to be treated that way. So there's a part where we kind of have a responsibility to be personal with our donors. But what we're seeing with our customers is like literally um, on average across our customers, donor retention goes up by Mm -hmm. 12% when people practice this stuff Mm -hmm. or um, average gift goes up on average 10% when we practice this stuff. So it's not just doing it just because or to be like amazon it's doing it because when you're personal people give more sacrificially they give more often they're more loyal like it it increases impact yeah yeah we've seen the same thing and that's uh yeah it it translates roi to the bottom line Mm -hmm. you know when you have a ministry that is able to uh add you know thousands of dollars to their top line revenue that translates directly to the bottom line and uh that's uh, yeah, and and again, it isn't just about the money because it's it's about connecting with the heart language that the person is coming and interacting with them and listening, understanding with that, and then to be able to communicate back to them in the in the same way. Yeah, I think we could probably uh, go on talking for for hours just on just on that on that concept. Yes, uh, you know, you you interact with the whole scope of folks like uh, in, in the nonprofit side of things, both upper management, but also the implementers, those that are, that are doing it. You, you know, if, if you, as you interact with those that are in the day-to-day, in the weeds, directing the movement, I mean, so often I've, I've spoken with ministries and, and the guys that are on the front lines, they get it, they know what they want to do, but helping upper management, you know, catch the vision, what are some of the ways that you would advise those that are on the front lines? How can they help their, uh, not just with CRM software, but anything to help the ministry innovate? How can, how can those that are on the front, front line communicate well to those that are in upper management above them? Yeah, it's a great question. I think um, one big thing for us is, is nonprofits historically, because you're dealing with uh, oftentimes annual budgeting cycles and things become set in stone. And then mm. traditionally nonprofit fundraising and marketing are also based on sort of long annual cycles. You know, maybe you meet with your, your agency and you plan out your next 12 appeals or your next 12 or whatever it is. And that sort of get, gets set for the year. Right. And so, um, and because you're, you're sort of bound by those two things, it's hard to innovate and move fast and, and everything's caught up in these big, planning processes. I think mm. the important part for the people on the ground is, is um, be okay with just experimenting with a small set of people and a small set of data, right? It's, you don't have to change everything overnight. It feels big and scary, but if you can say, look, you know, let's try this. Let's, let's peel off our online donors for a month and we're going to send them uh, a new kind of welcome series where they get a couple of emails, they get some, a couple of text messages and a phone call. And we're just going to try that for a month and see what happens. And so now you're experimenting. It costs less money. You can iterate really fast. You can pull this off in a month, right? And then you, now you have data that you can go back to upper management with that you can say, look, when we did this with a small group of donors, first to second gift donor retention went up by 
50%. If we did this across our whole file, it would increase revenue by X, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and that's a pretty compelling, you're not changing everything overnight. You're just running a little experiment, but now you have data to say, look what's possible, right? You're not just brainstorming ideas, but, but you actually have proof of what's possible. So I think that start small, test, do stuff in really short two week to one month cycles, and then use that data to go back to have the conversation with, with management or the your executive team or your board. That's a, that's great advice. I mean, and that, that concept of experimenting or testing, those are things that we should be doing on a regular basis anyway. And then when yep. we identify those wins and we see additional technology that can help that it gives you fodder for the, uh, to be able to have those communicate, have those conversations and, and may have some of those influences. Yeah. As you've been working with, with so many, not just ministries, but also broader nonprofits and implementing the CRM, helping them give more, raise more, just talk about some of your biggest successes that you've seen with, with some of those ministries and nonprofits. Yeah, there's, there's all kinds of fun stories that we, um, we hear back. And so I think, um, a lot of them are really around seeing big increases in average gift, big mm. increases in donor retention. We had a nonprofit come back to us. We have one little feature where um, the on your donation page, we can shift the, the gifter rate to be specific to each donor. And so every donor that shows up at your website will see a different gift array mm. based on yep. their own capacity in their previous giving, right? Yeah. Um, and we, we had an organization whose, whose average gift went up by 50% on their donation page on their website when they started doing this. And they call us just thrilled wow. because yeah. now they're seeing a massive lift in giving. So yeah. there's we've heard um, stories too. One of the organizations that we work with went from four data entry folks for gift entry to one and a half hmm. folks for gift entry. And they were able to redeploy the people doing gift entry to to task more focused on the mission, which is just great. Like we love that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, we had one org who I love this when um, I've told this story before, but I'm just blown away by it. The, the a hurricane that happened a few years back, <clears throat> they, they knew they had a lot of donors impacted by the hurricane. And so they used geolocation within our system to find out all of the donors who were within mm. the, the swath of like South Carolina that were impacted by the hurricane. And so, and then they ran some automation to just check on those donors and let, let the donors know they were being prayed for to see if there's mm. anything they could do just as a way to serve and give back to donors. But they used a mm. pretty cool combination of technology to pull that off. And I thought, man, that's just a great example of how to serve and love on your donors in the midst of crisis and give back. But yeah, there's a ton of stories like that, but it's been really fun to watch. That's amazing. That's really neat. You know, even as those stories that you just shared, it's one thing to have the tools like virtuous CRM, like journey to be able to do it. It's another thing to be able to have the right strategy and the right wording. So, so how do you help, how do you help ministries marry those two? Well, mm -hmm. yeah, I think, um, the the experimentation part is is really important right and so none of us have a silver bullet or all the right answers around fundraising strategy so it it really is how can we begin to experiment like you know a great way to do that is honestly like 
Facebook ads. And so, you know, saying, look, I think, you know, we've been talking about helping a thousand children. Maybe if we just tried talking about helping one child at a time, that message would resonate more. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's, how can we test that? Well, we could split test an email to see, you know, one email has a thousand kids, one email has one kid, and we see who responds to which email. Mm-hmm. We could, we could spend 200 bucks on Facebook, on Facebook ads, half the ads have one kid, half the ads have another kid, and you see which one resonates, right? So um, that's, a, that's a long way of saying, I like, especially in the day and age we live in, I like thinking about writing strategy in pencil and not pen, right? Yeah. So we, yeah. we sort of write out what, how we think people are gonna behave and where we think we're gonna go, but we, yeah. we hold an eraser in the other hand, knowing that we're gonna learn a lot as we go. And we need to be willing to just dive in and test and experiment our way into success. Yeah. So, I mean, really what you're talking about is first of all, carving out some time, making sure that we have time space blocked out where we can pick up the pencil and, and be writing out our hypotheses, if you will, of what might happen if we do these things. And then to be able to like what you said, well, let's then ideate on that, you know, this, would this work? Maybe this, and then try two or three different things and, and see what works and see what doesn't work. Yeah. And I, the other thing, Oh, go ahead, Jay. Gabe. Um, I would say just one other addition to that is you have to be able to almost celebrate failure. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, and that's hard at ministries, right? Because failure doesn't feel good, but I think what you do is like, look, we, we tried something and it failed. Now we know we learned, yeah. right. And now we can pivot and go to the next thing fast and try the next thing. So you have to have a culture that you're okay failing and you yeah. fail fast, you learn and you get back on the horse. And so that's, that's an important cultural shift, but I think it's important. No, that's, that's, that's great. I, I can't remember. I can't remember which, no, no. I, I was reading a book on psychological safety fairly recently and they they highlighted a company i can't remember which company it was but that's they actually intentionally have huge celebrations over failed projects because mm-hmm. their approach was hey we're one step closer to the success and uh um that uh, fascinating concept and so i love i love that concept of celebrating failure that's that's really yeah. good yeah. i had a buddy at david c cook he was there for a while and he built a little innovation team and they would literally buy a cake when something failed. It was the funniest <laughs> thing, but, but it's great. It set up this yeah. culture where people weren't afraid anymore, right? They yeah. weren't afraid yeah. to try new stuff and see if it worked. And that's yeah. great. No, that's, that's great. Gabe, this has been extremely helpful for our audience. I know just, just hitting some of the practical areas of a lot of people can see this as kind of boring behind the scenes, the CRM side of things. But, but, but man, when we're able to help organizations actually get left and actually expand their, uh, expand their impact, multiply their impact, um, using the, using the tools and technologies that God gives us today, um, man, that, that, that gets me excited. That's what keeps me getting up every morning. Absolutely. Um, so I'm just curious, what is one book or blog or resource that you've been reading recently that you can recommend to our audience? Yeah, I'll give you two books. One is a fun book and um, one is more of a, a how you do your job book, but the book Upstream by Dan Heath, I think is a must mm-hmm. read for every nonprofit leader. Great author. It, it really gets to the idea of how do we move beyond just 
the symptoms of the issues we're seeing today and how do we move upstream to begin to solve for some of the root causes. Mm -hmm. And it applies, he gives a bunch of nonprofit examples in the book actually, but it applies to both fundraising and on the program side of your organization with a great framework for moving to root cause of some of the problems. So that's the, that's the, you know, practical book. The less practical book is, um, there's a book called the Emerald Mile. That's the history okay. of the Grand Canyon and about a group of guys who ride dory boats down the Grand Canyon. And I'm actually hiking huh. the Grand Canyon this weekend. And so like one of the best nonfiction novels I've ever read. And so I recommend it like crazy to people. If you, if you like great historical nonfiction, yeah. pick up the Emerald Mile. That's awesome. Yeah. We'll uh, have to look that one up. So you're hiking the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Does that mean like from one from the south rim to the north rim or east rim? I don't remember exactly what the rims are. Are, are you hiking along it or up and, up it and down it? Or what's your what's your plan? Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see how this goes. It's probably a little bit overambitious, but we're doing rim to rim to rim. So south okay. rim to north rim, back to south rim in a day. In one so, day? Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. It'll that's be a not long. a hike. That's, a, that's like a run. Yeah, it's a 52-mile it's a, it's a half run half hike so wow it'll be yeah, i'll be living in a pain cave for a little <laughs> while on saturday so have you done something like this before um yeah stuff similar to this my son and i actually ran down the south rim and up the south rim a few months ago and so i have a good sense for the pain of it all and it's it's just such a beautiful i mean it's one of the coolest things oh, god created it's just amazing amazing thing and so you know yeah. it's, it's fun to be out in it no, that's that. That is fantastic. I we took our family there. I don't remember how many years ago, six or seven years ago. And yeah, it's uh, we went. I believe it was before Memorial Day, and I mean, no crowds. It was just a, a wonderful, wonderful time. And you'll probably be able to hit it without that many crowds tomorrow as well, or this weekend as well. Yeah. Well, let me know how that goes. That uh, yeah. Hopefully you're. You, uh, you survive and uh, make it back in the office. And that's, uh, I didn't realize that you were into uh, extreme sports like that. So that's, yeah, that's, that's really, sounds like really fun. Yeah, it should be fun out over my skis, but it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Uh, Gabe, how can people contact you if they want to learn more either about Virtuous or uh, to buy your book or um, just pick your brain on things? Yeah. Absolutely. So go to virtuous.org. If you want to learn more about some of the concepts that we talked about today, we have a little learn tab and there's a, a link for responsive fundraising. So you can learn all about responsive fundraising, get access to the book there. You can also find the book on Amazon or wherever you buy books as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out through our website. And we'd love to chat. That's awesome. Gabe, thanks so much. Great having you on the show today and uh, wish you the best as your, uh, your Grand Canyon run slash hike uh, this weekend. Yeah, thanks so much, Chad. It's been a joy.